0: Page to practice. Applying educational reading in the classroom. Join in the conversation using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. From Page to Practice is a podcast focusing on the application of education research in the classroom. Each episode features a conversation with a different guest, teachers, authors and others interested in education, talking about what the phrase from page to practice means to them and the importance of applying evidence to classroom practice. Hi, welcome to Series 5, Episode 18 of From Page to Practice. In today's episode, I'm speaking with host of the Education on Fire podcast, Mark. Coming from very different backgrounds in education, Mark and I had a great chat on the benefits of speaking to a range of people and connecting with different people in education. Hi and welcome to From Page to Practice. Um, today I am talking to Mark. So uh, Mark, can you can you introduce yourself, please?
1: Hi, Rebecca. Thank you so much for having me on. Yes, my name is Mark Taylor. I'm the host and creator of the Education on Fire podcast, which has been going since 2016. Um, so a little bit of a, of a while now. We've released over 360 episodes, I think, as of this week, which is amazing. Um, my Background is originally as a as a musician. Um, I'm a percussionist and timpanist. Um, went to music college and have been playing professionally ever since. But my sort of my way into education came through teaching percussion and drums in schools, and then doing sort of whole whole class workshops. Um, and from there, I started to sort of see some of the educational things which people were struggling with, uh, the member of staff slightly banging their head against the, the staff room wall saying, I've got into this to make a big difference, and I seem to be swamped with everything that we all know about in education. Um, and luckily, because I was sort of going through lots of schools and seeing lots of great things, I thought, oh, this is interesting, because I know there's a school up the road that's doing great things, or there's a charity I've come across, and I'm, I got interested in podcasting at that point and thought, "Oh, well, I wonder if I could have a conversation with some of those people, and, um, yeah, and the rest, as I say, is, is history.
0: Oh, that's great. I think there's going to be loads for us to kind of dig into there. But before we do that, the same question I ask everybody, what does the phrase from page to practice mean to you?
1: I think you can never be too interested in what you do. You can never be too qualified in what you do. Um, And I think just sort of hearing lots of different people's perspectives, um, different understandings of what they're going to do and then being able to take a thread of those things and then bring that into into your own practice whether it's in terms of how you show up in the classroom or or show up in the education work you're doing um, or indeed how you can sort of bring something for other people to do that as well so that's kind of my sort of feeling and my take on it really it's sort of finding out all that stuff that's out there and then making that relevant for you and taking it forward in your own way
0: you're listening to from page to practice Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag pagepracticepodcast. Great. So I don't think we've got a main theme for this section of the podcast today. I think we could go off in a few different offshoots. Um, But for anybody who's listened to the episode where I spoke to Arthur Moore, I very much spoke about his podcast and heard all about that. So I definitely need to repay that favor. So let's start there then, please, Mark. Tell us a bit about your podcast. Where did that come from? What was it for?
1: Yeah, so it originally started, like I mentioned, that sort of teacher banging their head against a brick wall. Um, And I wanted to think, well, if they weren't necessarily getting the support that they were getting within their school, um, maybe I could bring those conversations in. And like I said, sometimes it was a fellow teacher or it might have been a way a school was working. It might have been a charity or an organisation or someone like myself going in doing music, which they didn't have access to. Um, So that's where those sort of conversations first started. Um, But one of the things I sort of realised... Uh, sort of early on was the fact that actually we were talking about everything which was helping the child as a sort of a, as the center of everything because obviously some of the teachers were parents um and everything which was made sense was the fact that this child needs something but of course we don't know what that is you know we kind of hope that the school's the safe place and gives them everything that they need but that's not the case for everybody we hope a home life is is that and that isn't always the case as well so i it's sort of morphed as i sort of got through more and more episodes of kind of if someone is really supporting a child through their talents through their research through their reading whatever it happens to be then hopefully that conversation is going to support someone who's listening to the show like i said to be able to take that into their life whatever that happens to be as well so that's kind of the the genesis of of how it sort of started and how it's kind of morphed into into what it is today
0: so would you say that you know beyond you know what you give to other people that you really get something from doing the podcast as well
1: absolutely I mean I you know, I sort of, I'm like a sort of a conduit. I'm just sort of the, the middle person in some ways. There are all these really clever, amazing people who I'm so privileged to be able to speak to. Um, and I learn so much on a, on a sort of a, a weekly basis that I feel really, really supported in what I do. And I feel really sort of privileged to be able to share that with other people. Um, and I think, But doing the the amount of episodes I've done now as well, you sort of get this sort of theme of of important things which keeps coming back. And I want to sort of relate it back to when I was at music college. I had three very different teachers. Um, They were all amazing professionals working in some of the the great um, London orchestras and, and sessions and recordings that they were doing. But even though their personalities were very different, kind of the essence of what they were talking about, which was what music was, how they performed it, how they interacted with it, how they they were able to sort of share that with the world, was kind of like a common theme that came through. And, and I find the same thing through the podcast. There's sort of lots of different takes. It might be a piece of research. It might be a book that someone's written. It might be an experience they've had. But it very much often comes down to how you made people feel how you kind of supported people how it kind of changed their perspective on what they were doing and the kind of the nuts and bolts of what they were then producing then sort of came from that and I think that's sort of the sort of the common threads that I sort of found and and what sort of making the big difference for me from all of the people that I've managed to learn from
0: um so would you say oh not would you say where was I going with that I had something that's gone completely out of my head, Never mind. (laughs) So um, through the conversations you've had, have you kind of thought about the kind of range of ways people are uh, accessing CPD now? Because obviously podcasts are are one of those things uh, that we haven't had in the past and suddenly people are accessing CPD all the time. Do you think things have changed in terms of how we do that?
1: I, I really do. I, I think where you go to look for C P D and, and where you can and also where you can find the, the stuff that's suitable for you in, in a way that you want to do it. I mean, I'm an audio person. I love chatting to people, I love listening to people. Um and also I can sort of sort of open the door a little bit and say, look, there's a whole world over here of someone that you may not have known about and that may then take them into their books or their research. Um and that's very different than you know, we've got a CPD session on September the 1st and come back and and we're going to sit and do that. And I think also that sense that you need to get all your CPD done here and now in this one day, you know, that being able to dip in and out of what you want, you know, you can really step in and immerse yourself in something which you find really, really fascinating and things which might be above and beyond what you have to do, but something which is going to be really supportive for you in your area of speciality, really but also if it's something which is going to support you so if it's well-being for example you know you might think well i've kind of done some stuff in that which is helping me but i've suddenly encountered this whole world where i can really put myself sort of first and center and that's going to then really support me to be my best person it's going to be you know a mentor a guiding light maybe for other members of staff i'm going to show up in a different way for the children as well so while it may not have been a CPD session and such, I think it, it becomes a sort of a broader way of sort of really sort of showing people what can be possible.
0: Absolutely. I think the the range of of podcasts and other ways of of engaging that are out there now are just you know, so different to even how it was when I first started teaching eight, nine years ago. I think there's so much out there that are uh, very lucky and what, what we can engage with. So would you say there's been any and If you've had so many episodes, this might be a really difficult question, but any particular standout moments or things that have challenged your way of thinking? Yeah, I
1: think part of it sometimes is, um, well, (laughs) I can put it this way, is the fact that I kind of very much believe that the education system could be different. And it very much would love the silver bullet to come and say, tomorrow it's going to be different and we're going to have a classroom that looks very different, the way we interact with children is going to be different, the way that we even visually sort of see each other might be different, whether it happens to be online and not. And so that becomes very kind of, oh, but how is that actually going to work? And I think the thing that challenged me to begin with was that kind of, well, if there isn't a silver bullet that's going to do that, how does this one conversation or this one piece of research or this one idea of a book gonna gonna make a difference you know and um and I remember I had a conversation with um Craig Randall and he wrote the um the trust-based observation um book and and he's is able to go in and support all those people and I think for me it's that kind of well you know if you're going to be doing um if you're going to be observed and you're going to be kind of critiqued as it were in terms of what you're doing then it needs to look very formalized it needs to look like this it needs to look like that And his whole whole approach is that kind of, you know, what are we trying to do here? We're trying to support people. We're trying to give them information. We're trying to give them feedback, which people find a little bit tricky sometimes, but in a way that is very positive. It's not about, it's only about this moment in time. It's about a continual amount of support um, and and how you're sort of showing up in a room when you're actually doing the observations. Um, And I thought, Yes, that's kind of what I'd hoped was possible, but never really heard it said in that same kind of way. So it kind of made me think, well, I know that's a great idea, but does it really work? And he was able to say, well, yes, it does, because not only have I been able to do it in my world, I've you know written this book and it's been taken forward and lots of other people are doing the same. So, yeah, I think it's it's possible to kind of, in that both sides of the coin, to think it should be one way, but also to then see it come and actually be shown to be done in a different way, which is a really exciting prospect.
0: It's really good to get to have those conversations, isn't it? That that you you as the the host of the podcast think, oh, actually, yeah, I hadn't really thought of it that way, or oh, yeah, that's that's something totally different, or i would not heard of that, so. Uh, for me, one of the challenges I've found is speaking to lots of people from backgrounds that are totally different to my own. Now, I've sat there and gone, oh, I'm about to speak to a lady today who's a primary math specialist. How on earth am I going to relate to her or an early early years teacher? How am I going to relate to her? And actually, I found that really beneficial. But have you found that that, that engaging with those different backgrounds can be both challenging but also really fulfilling?
1: Yeah. And I think for me, you know, coming from a musical background, you know, I, I went to music college, you know, so I do have that element in that experience, but not a, um, not a specific academic background, if it was, I mean, it was a Mus course, so you could, you could say it was academic, but compared to someone that's gone and done a master's in music or, or speaking to someone who may be, have been to a college and they've got their, their master's in science or maths or education in a specific field. I kind of think that's not a world that I really know and it's not something that I can talk to in that same kind of way, you know, or or maybe it's someone who's already a professor and been in education for a long time and I think I just kind of teach the drums and I just kind of share share some of these things. But I think the, the, the centre coming together is the fact that we're all just doing it to make people's lives better um, and we're doing it so that, you know, that child actually has a better classroom experience today a, a better um life going forward some opportunities and actually feels like someone's seen them and someone actually can support them and from that it builds confidence and it goes from there and i think once i get over myself a little bit about maybe some of the the credentials and, and some of the experience it comes down to we're just two people talking all trying to do the same thing from our own kind of backgrounds um and then you kind of think yeah we're kind of all all, all in the same all in the same park playing the same game hopefully
0: I think it's really important to acknowledge that because so it's so easy to go well you're talking about something else how how do you know about what I do or uh, and be dismissive and and not learn the things that are out there that we can learn from people from such different backgrounds to ourselves I think it's just a important one
1: yeah and I think I think also it kind of you realize what you do have in common as well one of the things I used to do was to go into schools and do sort of workshops for people who may not have done music workshops before so you know the fear you see on some people's faces when it's like you're going to lead a music class in about an hour's time, <laughs> and and I and I always think that's really good in as much as that's often what some children feel, depending on the situation they're put in as well, and 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 sort of what their anxieties may or may not be. But what I'm able then to do is to be able to say, look, you have most of the skills that you need. You're used to working in a group. You're used to leading things. You're used to being an expert in whatever level you need to be above and beyond what you're teaching the children or the people in your class. And and from that, let me show you how to do that. So we just go through some really basic rhythms. We work out some musical things and put it together. And normally most people go, oh, that what? Not only was that fun, um, but I can kind of see how I can kind of do that. And, I, you know, I guess your musical ability will come through if you have some background in that or, or kind of a natural bent in that way. But actually, most of the time, you know more than you think you do from your own experiences and your own professionalism. Then you just need to kind of tweak it a little bit, depending on what the subject matter is.
0: Oh, that's great. And why um, what is it you, I'm, I'm jumping around a bit here, I'm going back to the podcast, but what is it you hope that listeners of your podcast will be able to take away?
1: Um, I think there, there are a couple of things. One is the fact that by coming to listen to the podcast, they kind of feel that, the people that, they listen to and the people that are wanting to share their stories are people that are going to be of beneficial to them so it kind of gives you a place to come we sort of talked about where you get your cpd from you know hopefully having one place which is a trusted resource you know and i'm not the trusted resource it's really the people coming in but the more kind of expertise and the more people come and, and have a good experience the more they then share that so i think i think that's one of the things is that they, they kind of feel like they're safe and that you know the next conversation that they hear is going to be something which is going to be helpful in one way or another another you know I'm not just speaking about doing how you do algebra so therefore they know it's not going to be exactly the same topic but with that sort of child-centered idea of, of how that comes in so that's the first thing and I think also understanding that human element as well and also how some of their life and how their how their kind of background has really kind of affected what they're then able to produce in in their professional life as well and I think when you start, you sort of hear that, those backstories enough, you start to realize that while the journeys are different, a lot of the themes are kind of the same, you know, it wasn't that I decided I was going to do ABC and then I was going to get to D it's like I did AB did J went to Z came back a bit came another (laughs) all of that kind of thing so you can kind of relate all these things with your life as well as you know I thought I was going to be a primary teacher I ended up being a secondary teacher then I did something else then I came in later or whatever your sort of position happens to be and I I think sort of a it's a bit of a mishmash of all of those things but with it comes a a kind of a a sense of kind of belonging I hope as well and, and a sense of that we're we're able to kind of share this journey together within our expertise.
0: I think a lot of that's really reassuring for people to hear, you know, to work in backwards order. The thing about, you know, it's not linear, is it? You can do this, then that, and then jump around with things. That's really important. And also for for anybody who's maybe nervous about stepping forward to volunteer for certain things or who've thought about doing podcasts and that kind of thing before, that actually – you're not sitting there saying you're the expert in the room. I'm certainly not sitting here thinking I'm the expert in the room. It's about having those conversations and and drawing those things out of each other, isn't it? Rather than than one person being the, the all-knowing oracle <laughs>
1: <laughs> absolutely and also doing that in your, in your own way as well because you're not likely to be able to be at school or or somewhere and say can we just sit down and have a chat for an hour and you can tell me all the stuff that you've learned about something you know it's that kind of this stuff's here just go and find it in your own way enjoy it in the gym or when you're walking the dog or whatever that happens to be and you know it, it's there week in week out and I think that stability is really important as well
0: yeah, absolutely. So I've kind of jumped around left, right and centre, but I haven't actually asked you, what was your motivation for for coming to chat to me today? Was there anything you wanted to particularly speak about that we haven't kind of glossed over at this point?
1: Um, I think really the idea of community is something which is on my mind a lot recently. Um, it's a sense of being able to share this information, um, which is fantastic. And the podcast, you know, we're having a great conversation, we're able to interact and 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 share and enjoy what we're doing. And hopefully the people listening are going to be able to get something from it as well. But I'm more and more wanting to kind of have this sort of real time interaction too. Um, and so I think sort of building a community around that is one of the reasons I very recently started um, uh, the Education on Fire show, which is a live sort of, um video show on youtube um because i didn't want to just sort of put the video of my podcast on youtube i wanted to say this is some of the stuff I'm sharing for example here's this week's show here's an archive here's a great resource or something that I've done but tell me about your week you know what have you come across what would you like to share what are you working on what is it that we can do together and kind of building that sort of sense of community and and a place where we can all just think yeah the world's a much better place than we maybe we think it is or there is change going on or there is you know uh, a stability here which maybe I didn't think there was and uh I think that's something which is great. And and you sort of mentioned Arthur before. He was a great sort of advocate for that. You know, he organized a a Twitter space meeting where loads of education podcasters all came in together. Um, And it took a lot of work and a lot of effort to do it. But I I thought it was a fantastic thing. It was all about sharing, you know, what we were able to do as individuals. And while we were all in the education space, we all had sort of different backgrounds, but a different perspective and a different voice, even if we're talking about the same thing and one of the things he mentioned was that sometimes you have you know guests which might go on multiple education shows um but what you get out of it as a listener is very different because my take on it and my expertise and my questions like we're having you know this proper conversation rather than just a sort of a bullet pointed idea of questions means that all of these episodes, all of these different podcasts are different. And so you sort of find the personality that you want, but also, like I say, just builds that community out. And I think if we can all share that kind of thing, it's going to be a better place and more supportive for everybody.
0: Yeah, I've definitely got a couple of things off of that. So the the first one was, again, I'm going to work backwards, actually, the podcast thing, because when I first started my podcast, I was doing something quite different to what I'm doing now, because I was trying to find a, where's the where's the space for me here. Um, and I never wanted to, actually never wanted to do what I'm doing now, which is having this conversational style of things, because I didn't think it was for me. And the way I was doing things before kind of ran its course, and people who listen to those episodes will want know in terms of the contributions from teachers that I was asking for dwindled as workload went crazy and people just couldn't commit to that anymore um but I'm getting at something totally different now from these conversations and I think originally I was bothered about you know copying what other people were doing but your point just then about the same people going on multiple shows, but yet it coming out different every time. I think that's a, that's a real eye-opener for me to go, actually, it doesn't matter that maybe I've picked a similar idea to what somebody else is doing, because we'll have a different conversation.
1: Yeah, and, and I think, you know, you probably know as a, <laughs> as a musician, I can see you've got your, your instruments <laughs> yeah. there behind you. Um, you know, we could both play the same piece. You wouldn't want to hear me play the saxophone on clarinet or anything, but, <laughs> um, but we could play the same piece. But the experience that the person listening would be very different, you know, from um, intonation, in terms of phrasing, in terms of, you know, what my heart was saying to want to do it as opposed to yours. Um, and I think that sort of same thing applies.
0: Yeah, there's this space kind of in that community, if that's the way we're discussing it, for everybody, isn't there? I think that's something really valuable. And to know there is that support out there. So you mentioned Arthur's um, space that he did. I had some conversations with Darren Leslie and some other people and I had some support from people like Phil Naylor quite early on. And there are a lot of people out there who just want everyone to do well and enjoy what they're doing, don't they?
1: Yeah, I think that's it. And I think most of us have sort of got into it as a – a side step of what we were doing already. It wasn't like we were just sat at home going, what should I do today? I think I'll maybe start a podcast. You know, it came from a passion. It came from an interest. It came from a way of talking. And I sort of start my sort of conversations on my podcast or just saying, let's just think we're meeting for coffee, a a beer, a glass of wine, whatever your preference happens to be. um, Like we would do if we were in a coffee shop and let's just chat about what we're doing. And then, you know, within a minute or two, everyone's just like, passionate about what they do and they want to share what they're doing. And that just sort of brings an energy, which I find is, um, is really reassuring.
0: Oh, absolutely. It's something that I couldn't have predicted. And I think that's why I had a, a reluctance to move to my format being a bit more like this, because I was nervous about, oh, I'm going to speak to all of these people that I've I've never met before. And maybe I know who they are, or maybe I've got no idea who they are. Um, and, and realizing that that doesn't matter has been great. So thinking about that in the link to what you said about getting people in a room together um, or getting people together, you know, in this community, how, how do we go about that because there's lots of kind of subject specific groups going on people who meet up face to face there's things like research ed but that's there for a a purpose you know you go to a room to listen to a person what's your vision for this being able to get people together for this these conversations to to share to network to whatever
1: um i think it's a way of uh, if you think about it about like facebook groups you know, I mean, how many Facebook groups are there in the world? You know, um, you know, some of the ones I'm involved in are very podcast-specific. Some of them are, are sort of live-streaming-specific. Some of them are education-specific. Some of them are drum-specific. Um, and I like them all in their own way at different times. Um, and, and, and a bit like podcasts. You know, I've obviously listened to a lot of education podcasts, but I listen to some football podcasts and some parenting fo- um, podcasts, in, and, and they all have their own place. And so I think... Bringing people together where they actually meet is kind of a good way of doing it. So I think you know you have your community of people that love listening to what you do and, and sharing your expertise, and wherever you are able to do that, whether you know whether we're meeting together on my live show or whether you decide to have um, a space where you can do that and open up those conversations then I think that's fine. And I think people do that. And I think the more that we're able to have conversations with people, the more we're able to bring people together because you'll bring a set of people I'll bring a set of people and they overlap somewhere. Um, So I I think it's sort of building from where you are and what you're doing and allowing that to grow organically rather than we need to find this massive either online or physical space and bring people in to do that. Because then that sort of almost becomes unmanageable. What you want is great conversations and people who are really into what you're doing and really wanting to share the time with you. Um, and then, yeah, that, that, that's that got more meaning, I think, than anything else.
0: Yeah, I really hope we can spread that a bit more because I, you know, was very much in, in online communities for for language teaching and for other teaching related groups but even then i still hadn't realized what i would get from speaking to these people and it's only when you have that kind of experience isn't it that you really come to realize what you get from it so it's just a, a case of working out how to prove that to everybody i guess
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely i mean it, it can be it can be really sort of random in some ways my um speaking about language my daughter's just doing um german a level and um and did sort of between sort of GCS and A-levels. She said, oh, I'm going to do Duolingo just to kind of keep everything going. Um, and my wife used to live in um, Portugal before, and she said, oh, well, I'll do some as well. I won't do German, but I'll do I'll do sort of Portuguese, and I'll try this, and I'll try that. And so they kind of have this coming together. And he, sometimes it's just purely the fact that they're, they're doing the same thing in the same space but they're in their own individual way. But the, the, there's, a, there's a connection there, which is amazing. And they ping across, you know, rewards. And I don't, I don't do Julia, but there are various sort of gamification things that you can do yeah. as well. But even that shared experience is something which they they get a lot of fun and interest out of as well. So I think part of it, probably answering your question better than before, is that kind of thinking out of the box and just seeing where it fits and how you can do it. Because, you know, the conversation that they might have with their friends, you know, brings them together from something they're doing sort of on their own, but then becomes part of that community, if that kind of makes sense.
0: Yeah, I think I'm going to take two words that you said there as being the complete key to that actually shared experience. So much of it comes down to, we've got all these things in common, we're going through the same things. So, you know, we can support each other and build each other up in, in that way, can't we?
1: Absolutely. I mean, if you think about sport, you know, you could be one of the 50,000 50, fans at a football ground, which is a great shared experience. But then also, I might not have been there, but you were there and we can then have a conversation about that tomorrow when we were at work and how that was. Or I might have watched it on the telly, and, but, but it's a different experience. But like I say, it's still shared. And I, I think, yeah, it's, it's once you dive into that, it's a really, it's a really fascinating thing to, to explore
0: yeah for sure so um before we move into the the final section of the podcast is there anything else you are hoping to have a chat about today hoping to message you'd like to spread that we we haven't covered yet
1: no i think i think really just the the main message is that kind of anything that you do which makes you feel great (laughs) anything which you do which you feel is supporting someone else is is the is the key thing i like to be able to share and just that yeah that community aspect as we just mentioned and that sort of that idea of having a live show is something which it's one step removed from the podcast but I think it's something which actually is a little bit more in the now so um, I'm going to be going live in about an hour's time doing it and I'm, what it's been able to do is to be able to say well we could maybe talk about whether there should be mobile phones in schools or not or what makes a good teacher or not depending on what someone in, in the government may or may not have said on any, on any given week <laughs> yeah. um, you know and we can sort of have that sort of round the water cooler idea so yeah I, I think for me it's just sort of I quite like that sort of in the here and now idea of being able to share that that too.
0: Great. So give us the plug. Where can we find you? How do people contact you? What do they need to search to find you? Those things.
1: So basically, Education on Fire is the place to go. So, educationonfire.com takes you to my website where all the podcasts are. Education on Fire and any podcast platform will do that. And if you'd like the idea of joining me for a live show, educationonfire.com forward slash YouTube will we'll give you the link to, to that as well. So, yeah, fantastic. Thank you.
0: Perfect. Lots of things for people to follow up on. Sign up to receive the From Page to Practice weekly newsletter to read tips and advice from my guests, as well as information on upcoming episodes. Find the link in the show notes for this episode. This final section of the podcast, I do the same thing every time, and it's the CPD library. And hopefully uh, hopefully, you've had a chance to glance over the, the email I sent a while ago. Um, but essentially for anybody listening to this for the first time, it is a chance for me to fire some categories out at you. I've never counted them. Maybe there's about 10. Um, and you to give me either a person or a podcast or a blog or a book or whatever that for you kind of links to this category. Is that okay? Yeah, go for it. Perfect. So the first one is first got you into evidence-informed practice as of course that is the theme of the podcast more or less.
1: Um, I think for me, it was that evidence based on what I'm passionate about. So um, Richard Gerber's education, A Manifesto for Change, because like we said, that silver bullet idea, something really important. Important thing I wish would happen. Um, And we can talk about that till the cows come home. But what he was able to do was to say, there's more to it than this. You know, here's an example of what happens in a different country. Here's what you can do in leadership. Here's what you can do in the classroom. Here's what you can do for yourself to show up in a different way. And so it was that kind of this is what real people are doing and what their experiences are doing. And here's the result of how that was. Um, And so 'Cause that's kind of where my interest lies in that sense of how change can happen from that that particular way. That was the thing that really kind of made me think, Oh, that's amazing. And also luckily enough got a chance to to speak to Richard and, and share some of that on the podcast as well. But yeah, that was definitely a really key one.
0: Nice. And the next one is resonated with you the most.
1: Um, I think definitely, um Sir Ken Robinson's creative schools. I mean, from reading that book, from seeing his YouTube video, which has had such a such a big thing i mean i think creativity is such an important factor um and when you read his book and you understand how that works and how that's not working in school or how it's not actually giving you that environment to do that really makes you think ah oh, okay i really hope that the people that have enjoyed doing that are able to to bring that in in whichever way they can within the current system <laughs>
0: um challenge your views
1: challenge my views I think one of the biggest ones was um, Margaret Rook um, wrote a book called um, You Can Change the World, where she interviews um, 50 or more teenagers, I think it is, and it was very much that kind of, you know how this works, because you know teenagers live in this particular way, and this is what they're doing or not doing, and, and how <laughs> they need teaching, and how they need to be taught how to show up in the world. And what it did was show me that there are so many people doing amazing things, whether it's in their community, whether it's culturally, whether it's showing up in the world and leading by example, and really sort of changed that perception of what that was like. And I read this before I had teenagers myself, and, and it kind of really sort of challenged me to think, actually, they are the age they are when they are. But if you have the conversations with them and you really sort of dive into into what they're passionate about and how they do that, then the way they respond and your conversations with them are a completely um, different one than like say that preconceived ideas that well, you know, we'll see you at lunchtime and hopefully you'll get some kind of grunt over dinner.
0: <laughs> I've never heard of that one. That sounds good. In fact, so far you've said different things to everybody, I think, uh, which is nice. It's always it's the whole point of having a variety of people. So we don't just have... 10 copies of the same book in the CPD library. Um, So where am I up to? Uh, Had the, yeah, had the biggest impact on your practice?
1: Biggest impact on my practice? I would say um, that was probably related to um, Dr. Um, I think what her name is. Uh, Let me, sorry, let me just find... Dr. Anne Margaret, when we were, she was talking about and her research and the work that she does is related to um, SEN and specifically around dyslexia and that kind of thing. And the reason that had a big impact on me was because a lot of the people I teach um, often struggle with reading, um, sort of traditional reading in school. But how that sort of manifests itself actually is different in a musical standpoint. And so sometimes it helped me to know that maybe they were struggling with their reading in school and I can go about it a different way. But also that then became a preconceived idea of what I thought might happen further down the line. And in my experience, the two aren't necessarily what you think those preconceived things are and taking everything at face value is actually a much better starting point from that from there.
0: Great. Um, should be required reading for a new teacher?
1: Well, I think... Definitely. Um, Something called Primary First, which is a a journal done by the National Association for Primary Education. Um, And the reason I like that journal so much is it really talks about this, like I said before, this idea of child-centered education, what education could be, what it should be, um, and some real-life examples of how that looks also around the UK as well. So maybe sort of, you know, from a Welsh perspective or a Scottish um, perspective, which is what they're trying to, to do more and more.
0: Great. I'm actually writing that down on a separate bullet point or a separate note, because uh, I've recently started as a primary school governor. So anything that's to do with primary is like, oh, OK, I'll write that down. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so that's... I've taken a note of that. Um, inspired you?
1: So I would say the most important thing that inspired me was not necessarily an education related book but actually one which kind of made me think about what learning was and how reading went about so at school I like many boys I guess got sort of disillusioned with um what learning was or what reading was, as it were. And as I got into some of my teenage years, I suddenly found a fascination with people and what they were able to achieve. Um, So actually, it was a sense of reading autobiographies. um, And I sort of, in that sort of general way, mine happened to be one of Linford Christie. I was sort of, I'd sort of seen him do his his sort of 100 metres and that kind of thing. And so his autobiography, his way of doing it, um, made me think, oh, actually, this has inspired me to actually start reading because I can see now what that's going to do for me, I can find out this information. I'm not reading because I have to. I'm not reading the subject. I have to in a way that I want to. It's something which is going to take me into something which I'm interested in and will help me learn and help me, help me move forward.
0: So the next one is most recent. So most recent read or listen or conversation. Or...
1: So the most recent read um, or conversation, actually, which I, I'll tell you what I will mention, which was really good, is I, um, I spoke to Al Kingsley um recently and we were talking about um ed tech in schools but also governance and i know he's got some books related to governance and also for um, um mats um and what i found amazing about the work that he does is is he has this amazing optimism about what's possible you know he's very accepting of what's happening and the here and now and, and the trials and tribulations that education is in but i think that sense of but let's just break it down into what we can do and how that's going to work and what we can achieve. And I think my biggest takeaway from him and the work that he's done and the things that I've read that he's produced is this sense of let's decide where we want to go and then we can work out how to go about doing it. And and that's that's been a, a key factor. So let's not realise that we can't afford a set of new computers. Let's decide that we want a set of new computers and how do we go about doing that? And that just changes the whole framework of, of what your school might look like.
0: Uh two more left. Um the next one is next. And I usually say next on your to be read pile, but it could be next conversation that you're going to have on the podcast if you wish to take it that way.
1: <laughs> oh, right, okay. Um so the the next um one I'm gonna have on a podcast is um ooh, I think it's going to be the going back to the National Association for Primary Education, because they've got an SEN conference coming up in March. Um, And we're going to be speaking to them about how that's going to be involved. It's related to the University of Bedford. um, And we're going to be sort of taking into what that looks like, what that involves, who's going to be involved in that. And I think a lot of students are going to be taking part as well. So yeah, being able to share that message is is my next one.
0: Great. And the final one is doesn't exist, but should. So some people have taken this in different ways i've had someone say you know when i first started teaching this particular book would have been really useful to me or i'm really interested in this particular area but i don't see one book that's bringing it into one place or i've even had one person who kind of dragon's den style pitched me a book as if i was a publisher uh, so take it how you want but doesn't exist but should
1: i think the one that should exist is the the how-to but the how-to for you. So a little bit like when you go for a job interview, people have often said, you know, they're looking for this person, that person, your qualifications, your experience, all of those sorts of things. But the most fascinating thing was the fact that people also said to me, but what is it that you're looking for in your job? So that, you know, maybe it's your working conditions maybe it's the environment that you feel maybe it's um you know the type of research you want to do and i think from a book point of view it's that kind of what do you want your your life to look like so if you're reading a book or you're creating a book about how you'd like that to look as as an educator specifically in terms of where we are today you know what does that school look like how would you like to be um, communicated with with the SLT how would you like the governors to be involved what type of environment you know is it a musical school as well as drama important We talked about that creativity before and actually a book that kind of takes you into putting you in the center of what you'd like your experience to be so that you felt like you had everything you needed to then go out and look for that and draw that to you, which I think is often the other way around to what people perceive as possible
0: great and again like nothing else that has come up on the podcast before so truly we've got a brand new cpd library there i think so thank you for that uh, i really appreciate you giving up your time this evening and and like i said to you i think before we started i like it when these um conversations just kind of come out of nowhere uh rather than me chasing people around for them because i actually think we have the the most interesting conversations from that so thank you i really appreciate it and i shall be uh tuning into some episodes of your podcast when i've cleared my backlog from my holiday
1: (laughs) (laughs) fantastic thank you so much Rebecca it's been brilliant chatting to you yeah keep up the great work I'm really enjoying what you're doing and I think yeah you're just sharing so much great information with people listening so that's a fantastic job
0: oh thanks Mark I really appreciate that are you interested in evidence-informed practice do you have a favorite edu book have an idea of what great CPD is and should be or to just generally have a chat about education Please sign up to join me for a conversation. I rely on volunteers from all contexts and levels of experience. Visit learninglinguist.co.uk forward slash page practice podcast for the sign up form. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Mark. And if you aren't already a listener, please do check out the Education on Fire podcast. I'm really keen to keep speaking to people from very different backgrounds, so please get in touch or suggest the podcast to people you think that we should all hear from. You've been listening to From Page to Practice. Don't forget to join in the conversation using hashtag pagepracticepodcast. Thanks go to Kevin McLeod of IncomTech.com for use of the tracks Cheery Monday and Fuzzball Parade, which are licensed under Creative Commons.